Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. You know that means I have four guests. We're going to make you laugh. We're going to make you smile. We're going to make you think back to the past and out to the future today. And by the way, that's the wonderful voice of Ryan Treasure, VP of everything. That's what I call him. My pal, my tech guru, and the co-sponsor of this show. So welcome to Technology Revolution. We just call this Tech Rev because... We like short names here. So I have a question for our listeners around the world. Do you ever read the cartoons? Anybody remember Beetle Bailey, Hager the Horrible, Garfield, Dick Tracy? Boy, am I going back in time. Dilbert, Pogo, Doonesbury, Peanuts, The Far Side, Calvin and Hobbes, Marmaduke, Blondie? Of course you read. Maybe you heard about them in the womb. I don't know if you're too young, but these are very famous cartoons. Have you ever seen caricatures of celebrities like Adam Sandler, Tom Hanks, Judy Dench, Hillary and Obama, Elton John, Scarlett Johansson, Johnny Depp. Well, these are what I call the funnies. Ever seen the? Have you ever admitted to reading the New Yorker magazine just for the cartoons? <laughs> Those of you who are old enough to know what that means, there's a double on. There's a very big entendre in there. So seemingly innocuous cartoons, caricatures, and comic strips and comic books represent important issues in society. Yes, they do. We think they're funny, but there's always a meaning to them. Years ago, cartoons were handmade. They were drawn frame by frame. Now, many cartoonists use flash technology, After Effects, and other software to produce movement illusion. Ooh. Caricature artists once relied only on pens, papers, and other tools. Now they use digital artistic tools for molding their imagination. Oh, I love the way that sounds. I got that from... <laughs> bmmmagazine.co.uk. Storytelling using pictures often with words goes back to the ancient Egyptians. A lot of history there. The American comic strip adapted to this for the 20th century. That's according to the New World Encyclopedia.org. And one more thing. Comic books were once created using typewriters, pens, pencils, brushes, inks, and dyes. Now it's all ones and zeros. That means digital. I have four artists with me. I'm so happy to have all of you. I'm on Zoom. I have the pleasure of seeing them. Most of them are smiling. There we go. They're waving. We will have a video of this, and I'll post it somewhere, and we'll, we'll see if we can promote it. We have Bruce Outridge, wonderful friend to the series. Bruce has been on before on trucking, another one of his life passions and life works. We have Sandra Bell-Lundy with us. We have Rena Piccolo with us and Joe Bloom. We're going to ask them for their take on the future of technology and the visual arts that they create to make us laugh, make us cry, make us scream, make us dream, or just make us think. So welcome to the future of the funnies, cartoons, caricatures, comic strips, and technology. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thrilled to be here. Let's kick this off. Time to meet my artists on the show. Bruce Outridge, you're my hero. You're my idol. You know so many people in so many venues all over the world, so many professions. Bruce has brought us the panel today. So Bruce, please, in case there are two people in the world, who don't remember who you are from my show or from your show, maybe <laughs> introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about what's your take on the relationship of technology to what you do caricatures. Bruce, welcome. 
Uh, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's always exciting being on your show, Bonnie, as we fire up and get ready to go for another uh, great technology uh, show. Um, I'm an artist, a caricature artist. I specialize in weddings and corporate events, illustration, custom illustration. As you mentioned, I'm in the trucking industry, so I'm a podcaster, television, television uh, host as well. Uh, so I think that technology uh, is something that's moving fast for all of us and certainly for artists. I, I know that I am very rarely still using paper. I'm using uh, iPads and uh, all kinds of stylos and stuff like that for my art now. Um, with technology, of course, with podcasting and stuff, it's, it's integrating into our lives to a point where you have to use it to keep up. And uh, I think it's even going to go further in the future. So we're looking forward to that. Thank you very much, Bruce. Welcome back. Pleasure to have you. And thanks for your work recruiting these wonderful people. And let's go around the table. Rena, I'm going to you next year. Rena Piccolo, you're up. Rena, please introduce yourself. Hi, Bonnie. First, I want to say thank you for having me on the show. Um, it's really exciting. You said you'd never met a comic strip artist before you met Sandra. Well, now today you meet, you meet two comic strip, uh, syndicated comic strip artists. Um, I started out uh, doing all kinds of comics and cartoons, single panel gags, uh, and then ended up getting syndicated with King Features Syndicate with my first comic strip, which was called Tina's Groove. And uh, today I've moved on. I did Tina's Groove for uh, 15 years. Um, and today I'm working, I work uh, as a collaborator on the comic strip Rhymes with Orange, which is a single panel daily newspaper and online comic. And I do that with Hillary Price. Uh, she's the creator of Rhymes with Orange. And I just want to say something about technology. It's really interesting how it's impacted my career as just a general comic artist. I used to be quite a Luddite, and uh, I hated tablets uh, for drawing, digital drawing. I, not that I hated it. I just didn't want to go there. Um, and when I finally did, and I, I, I literally had a, a door open, open up, uh, a creative, a new creative, uh, a door opened up for me that just my creativity kind of just blossomed. So there were all these new tools that I had uh, that I had never, you know, imagined what I could do with these new tools. And so now I, I have the two uh, methods coexist. I do stuff traditionally with uh, pens and inks and paper, which I still adore. And uh, some other, on some other projects, I work digitally, which is, you know, on a Wacom tablet or on an iPad um, and several other, other you know, uh, tools, digital tools. Um, yeah, so I, I went full circle. I'm like now I say that I like to do both. They can both coexist. Rena, I love what you said. Uh, very, I hate to use the word authentic because it's overused, like amazing, authentic. But that's you're the real deal because you admitted that technology, maybe it scared you, maybe it was just the, the vast unknown, and you've embraced mm -hmm. it, and you say it's just enlarged the opportunities for you. That's what I was looking for. That's what we wanted to know about. Thank you, Rena. Sandra, you want to try again? You want to speak? And let's okay. see if we get you. Oh, yes, Sandra. Is that Sandra? I put the headphones on. I was laughing when, when Rena said that she was a Luddite. I think I still am. 
<laughs> you, you sound great. Now go ahead. Reintroduce yourself. We'll pretend you didn't say what you said before when we couldn't hear you anyway. Go okay. Ahead, okay. Uh, all right. I'm a newspaper comic strip cartoonist. I do the strip between friends. I self-syndicated before I was syndicated with King Features. I'm now appearing in about 175 papers worldwide. And I have, uh, I self-syndicated before I was with King, which was, you know, pretty difficult trying to be a salesperson and creator at the same time. So um, I started, I still work pretty traditionally. I have bought a iPad and I intend to learn because I think it will be a big time saver. My friends tell me that it it will be a big time saver and I get tired of using my eraser. (laughs) And uh, so I'm, I'm moving in that direction. And uh, I, I, as I said, I work traditionally and then I, I use a scanner and Photoshop. But I, I've always been into cartoons. I, I just love cartoons. I read them as a kid in the newspaper. And I used to draw cartoons of my friends to lampoon them, all in fun about boyfriends or careers or, or you know, whatever was going. And that's how I, I came to do my strip. My strip sort of was based loosely on my friends. And so it's... Um, yeah, I didn't want to use the word authentic now because you just said that, but that's that's what that's what my strip is about. So I I do work traditionally. I like having a pencil in my hands. I like doing the inking, but I've been playing with the iPad, and I think I'm going to like that too. I love it. I this Bruce. What can I say, Joe Bloom? You're up next, and Joe, I don't know if you can can measure up to these ladies with this authenticity of what's really going on in the world of people who <laughs> used to just use pen and ink. Joe Bloom, welcome, and please tell us who you are and what do you think about technology and what you do, Joe. Thanks for having me. Um, no, I can never measure up to women. Sorry, I can't do that. I'm a guy. Um, <laughs> That's but... a stage. <laughs> no. Um, yes, I'm married. I know how to. Mm. Uh, so. Uh, yes, I, I think that we all share one thing in common here where we started out in an age when very much traditional media was the way we made our living. I might be on the surging of the internet when I was a teen, so I sort of started to embrace that. But even in college, I didn't like digital art. I thought that was cheating. And, uh, and it often looked digital because the tools were still being refined from Photoshop 1, Photoshop 2, and the first tablets. That's when I started learning. Um, but then once I realized that you can embrace it and make it look how you want, I sort of uh, just continue to grow with the media. So um, like they've, like Rena and Sandra have said, I still like working traditionally, but I always utilize digital tools typically for finishing. And even if I do that, I like to um, keep it uh, feeling like it was traditional so that there's not sort of a, an obvious veneer of some, some process, but it might look classic or like it's been there forever. I started as a caricature artist after art school And um, I worked in various theme parks, quickly started training people and doing freelance um, digital uh, work for syndicate freelance illustration is what got me like I had two hours over a lunch break to deliver a cover for a city paper. I had to run home on my lunch break and I couldn't scan and clean it up. So I had to quickly do digital work. And that's what got me sort of in tune with it. And then from there, I started working in uh, advertising and animation. And that's where I moved to New York and met my friend Rena. Um, And then since then, I've sort of been bouncing all over the place, working traditionally and digitally, but I do uh, children's books, I do picture books, I do graphic novels, I do a lot of writing, Um, I work in animation, short films, um, advertising, feature films, and uh, that that process 
of collaborating through digital media makes it absolutely necessary to stay on top of the technology. So I'm learning new things all the time. And I think being like a student of technology as it grows and always allowing yourself to say, hey, there's something new, I have to learn it. I think can keep you going, keep you relevant, and then learning new things. Well, yeah. Thank you, Joe. Bruce, real deal here. Our oh, yeah, you've got some big talent here, and it's not me. <laughs> That's the other three. Well, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And you're a, you're a collector of, of interesting people. So that's another one of your skills. Uh, a funny story to tell you, uh, directed at Joe and everybody years ago, I was a mainframe programmer. I'm now considered one of the early women in tech back in the key punch days where I'd have a box with 2,000 uh, 80-column cards. And I, I, I don't know why. My engineer is telling me my mic is very quiet. Aaron, is that better? Is that better? I'm as close to the mic as I can get. Um, anyway, so he was telling me that, uh, so I was carrying around the key, part, key cards. I'm going to check my audio here. One second here. Let's make sure we are. Oh, that's why. Okay, Aaron, is that better now? Should be better now. Sounds good. Okay, yes, I didn't have my Scarlet mic selected. Well, what do you know? So you do so many things with a computer and you have to recheck your settings every day. So I was a mainframe programmer and doing very, very big, big stuff, big programs for big companies. And then one day somebody said to me, you're going to start producing a newsletter for the banking executives of New York State because I work for a correspondent bank. And they said, we want you to start doing this on a Mac and we want you to design a newsletter. Now, this is back before. This is in the PageMaker days. Does anybody remember PageMaker? This preceded Quark. So yep. they got me PageMaker oh, wow. and a little 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 Mac and they rented it for me and I brought it home and I had to learn literally in one week. And I had a friend who owned an advertising agency on Long Island in New York. You know where that is, a couple of you from New York. And uh, he, he taught me the basics of layout and design. And I spent one week staying up till three in the morning, learning how to use PageMaker and figuring it out. I ended up designing this newsletter figuring out how to place graphics and how to do headlines and how to use type typography and how to move things around. And I ended up designing newsletters that actually got sent out to all of the bigwigs in the banks in New York. But I remember, and I resented, I resented that I had to leave the big computer and go to this little thing, talking about technology, do this little thing with a mouse. What's a mouse? This little thing you move around <laughs> on the, what? No, come on, don't, don't undignify me. Don't tell me that you want me, this toy? I'm supposed to do something. Anyway, I was a resistor and I ended up starting my own graphic design business years ago. Nothing like what all of you do, but I have some more tech stories to tell you about design and, and I appreciate all of you. I'm so thrilled to have you. So now it's the time of the show when I've asked my guests to send me an interesting quote from a book, a movie, a song, a person, famous, not yet famous. They're going to be famous after hearing about their quote on this show. Of course, Bruce has sent us a quote from E.E. E. Cummings, E.E. E. Cummings, Edward Estlin, E.E. E. Cummings, October He's got a birthday coming up, 1894 to 1962. He styled his name as lowercase e, space, lowercase e, space, Cummings, American poet, painter, essayist, author, and playwright. He only wrote just shy of 3,000 poems, two autobiographical novels, four plays, and essays, one of the most important American poets of the 20th century associated with modernist free-form poetry. Here's the quote that Bruce has selected. Bruce, I'm going to ask you to relate the quote briefly to our topic today. The quote is, it takes courage to grow up and turn out to be who you really are. There's our authentic word buried in there somewhere. Bruce, go ahead. Yeah, I'm still trying to grow up and hopefully one day it's going to happen. I'm only 57. So anyway, but I think that Always Do You is something, I, the, the book that I've got that from was Russell Simmons, but uh, 
if you always do yourself, it doesn't matter how much technology plays into what you do. You, you still have to do you. So I get a lot of people who ask me uh, because I draw on the iPad. So if I say I'm going to do it on the iPad, they go, but I want a real drawing. I am still doing a real drawing. It's just on the <laughs> iPad. They don't seem to understand that you can actually draw on the iPad. And no matter where technology takes us in the future and myself, I've got you know, podcasts and everything like that, that you still have to be yourself. The technology doesn't change you. It changes maybe your process. It maybe changes your efficiency, but it doesn't change the kind of art you are, who you are inside, what you want. So, you know, getting a new, uh, you know, new tablet or getting into a new program doesn't change you as an artist. You're still going to think the same way. You still will do the same. And I know if you go into Photoshop, there's a million filters. I think most of us probably don't use any of them, you know, and they're all there. We can all use them. But at the end of the day, it doesn't look like our art if we use too many of them or use them out out of character. So at the end of the day, just be doing the things the way you do them, even though you're using technology is the way that I think you can embrace it for the future. Thank you, Bruce. Very wise. Everybody, let's give applause to Bruce. Very, very wise. The wise man, Bruce Outreach. Thank you very much. That doesn't happen often. I'm glad it's on tape. (laughs) Sandra, you are next. Uh, Sandra has sent us a quote from Finding Nemo. And this is from the character Dory. Dory, Well, 2003 American computer animated adventure film produced by Pixar Animation Studios, released by Walt Disney Pictures. And Ellen DeGeneres voiced Dory. Dory is a wide-eyed blue tang fish who suffers from memory loss every 10 seconds or so. And here is the quote, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, Mm -hmm. just keep swimming, Mm -hmm. swimming. (laughs) swimming. Sandra, how does this relate to our topic? I think I know, but Sandra, you're up. Talk to me. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, you just have to adapt. You know, nothing is static. Nothing stays the same. Uh, When I was first working with my editor at King Features and um, I I was, he was telling me about scanners and, and how you could scan your work and use Photoshop. And to me at the time, I thought it was rocket science. I thought, ah, that's just like, that's just so beyond me. And um, I was sending my work in, and I was late a lot of the times, and I was paying big money to FedEx every every week to get my work to New York on time. And that kind of forced me to take another look, and, and lo and behold, yes, I, I can learn. <laughs> and and so that's what that's why I chose that quote is because, um, you know, I, and like I say, I, I'm, I'm late to the ball game in doing an iPad. I know a lot of my peers are using it, but it's like me learning the scanner that I thought was rocket science. Um, you just have to keep moving forward and you have to embrace the new things. We love the quote, Sandra. Thank you so much. So swimming, true. swimming, swimming. I had a, an artist in, uh, in Great Neck. Um, a lady who came on my TV show when I was living there and she used to draw and sketch in, it wasn't sketchbook. It might've been the brushes app on her iPad. And then she would fill She would do the outline and fill it in. She could do still life. She could do uh, human figures. And then she would send it to a, a printing company and have them printed in two by three foot size or bigger. The resolution was unbelievable, but she did it all digitally. She was also trained as a, as a a brush artist, you know, as an original classical artist, but she moved her art to, to the digital world, to the iPad. And she came on and she did some pictures while she was on the TV show with me. And it was 
fascinating to watch her work. So thank you for that. Rena, you're up next. Rena sent us a quote <laughs> from Shirley Jackson. The quote is from the book, The Haunting of Hill House. It's a 1959 <laughs> gothic horror novel by American author Shirley Jackson, considered one of the best literary ghost stories. I didn't know we had liter literary ghost stories. I don't know if those go together. Literary ghost stories published during the 20th century. It's been made into two features. Ah, thank you. Joe's holding up a, a picture of, did you do that cover, Joe? Scary Stories Treasury. Whoa. Is that your artwork, Joe? No. Okay. Uh, it's made into two feature films, a play, and is the basis, loosely based on a Netflix TV series was based on it. Shirley Hardy Jackson, 1916 to 65, was an American writer. And over her career, which spanned two decades, she composed six novels, two memoirs, and more than 200 short stories. I think we call that prolific. Here is the <laughs> quote Rena has selected. You never know what you're going to want until you, until you see it clearly. There's so many levels to meaning to that scene in the cartoon clearly. She's, Go ahead, talk to me. She never just gives a line. She's got to like make it so intriguing and kind of poetic, but in a very simplistic way. Uh, I love Shirley Jackson. I chose this quote because it kind of ties into what I said earlier about embracing or learning to embrace technology and finding in it this whole new universe of things that I can do with my, with my cartoons and comics. Um, where do I start? I, how did I know, uh, to tie it into the quote, how did I know that I would enjoy and love animation, making things move? How did I know that I would absolutely love to look for, you know, audio, bits of audio to match my, my cartoons? How did I know that I would love GIF uh, animations, making, creating GIF animations or GIF animations? Still don't know if it's GIF or GIF. Nobody knows. <laughs> Join Nobody the club. knows. Yeah. Join the club. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and how did I know that I would uh, literally improve and in, encourage further creativity by having all these new tools until I actually saw it clearly, until it was, you know, literally right in front of me. Um, and that all happened uh, when I decided to buy an iPad back, I guess it was about, it was like the first generation iPads mm -hmm. and uh, it completely like I, I bought it basically, you know, to listen to podcasts and things like that. And, you know, have a music library that I could have easily accessible. Um, and then I uh, discovered that there were all these apps that you could, you know, even take a traditionally drawn drawing. Uh, and manipulate it in some mm -hmm. way, make it move or, yep. you know, uh, add to it. Uh, so, and that's where I learned some new skills. And uh, it, I think if I hadn't embraced the iPad in such a way uh, and all the, all the wonderful apps, the creativity apps that are available out there, if I hadn't, I really believe I wouldn't have developed the skills that I have today to work on the projects that I'm working on right now. Uh, and so it really did open up a new world for me. And it, going back to what Joe was saying, he mentioned something about still drawing traditionally. I also still draw traditionally. I, 
can't get rid of that. That's something that is a part of me. Um, I have a sketchbook that I that I like to uh, doodle and write and draw in. Um, and I illustrated an entire science book, literally mm. on paper. Quirky quirks. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, I did that traditionally with brushes and inks and, uh, and uh, paper, Strathmore paper. And so, yeah, going back to the quote, you don't really know what you're going to want until mm. it's literally before you. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you very much. Rena, I think you were nervous before we started the show. You are so in your element right now. You are so in your glory explaining things. And I'm, I'm very happy. I told her nothing happens bad to anybody on my shows. We, we, all, we all live past so, the show. So now I know I look nervous. Now you just told me. No, you said you, you were nervous. You said you were nervous. You're, you're, you're lovely. Thank you very much. Let's go Thank to you, Joe's Bob. quote. Joe wasn't satisfied with one quote. He said, seriously, you're limiting me to what I want to be. I don't care, Bonnie, what the format of your show is. I have to say, Joe, I'm teasing you. Joe said two quotes. Let me read both of them, a little bit about each of them. Uh, one is from Radiohead, the English rock band formed back in 1985. And this was interesting. Uh, the song is called Nude. Okay, we'll leave that one alone. But the working title of the song was originally, and I'll tell you what the song is. Uh, the working title was Failure to Receive Repayment Will Put Your House at Risk. Did you know that, Joe? Yes, he knows that. And it was known as big ideas don't get any. So that's the quote. Don't get any big ideas. They're not going to happen. You can all look up the lyrics. They're interesting. And he also sent a quote from Val Dodd in The Master by Paul Thomas Anderson. The Master is a 2012 American psychological drama film written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, starting Joachim, I never know how to pronounce his name, Joachim. 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 Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, no longer around, and Amy Adams. Uh, interestingly enough, The Master was shot almost entirely on 65 millimeter film stock, making it the first fiction feature to be shot and released in 70 millimeter. That those translate to the same thing since Kevin Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet in 1996. So there's a lot of history. Here's the quote from Valdad. He's making all this up as he goes along. You don't see that? Okay, so here are the two quotes together. Um, one is, don't get any big ideas. They're not going to happen. And the other one, he's making all this up as he goes along. You don't see that? I'm going to pretend they came from the same place. Joe, bail <laughs> me out here. I'm out on a limb. I don't know where I'm going to fall off. Go ahead. Okay, well, I mean, this is a great show about technology. And we, uh, we're all here for technology, but also because we're all artists. So I, these are a little more artist creative centric because I noticed that we all talk about evolving from drawing as a, on a pencil and paper all the way towards using iPads and Wacom Cintiqs and working in animation and doing all kinds of different things. And these all are big growth steps with technology or without, like you need to be able to adapt. And so I think a lot of times as artists, especially artists in the field that I work in in animation and in illustration and writing, it looks like the big goals from the people who succeed that you look up to are unachievable. It looks mm -hmm. like, well, I'm not Brad Bird or I'm, I'm, I'm not um, uh, that director that I like or that writer that I love. And you, you feel like it's unattainable. So there's, but artists are also very, um, very stubborn and contrarian sometimes. I know I am. So I look <laughs> at that and I say, a, a line like that does two things for me. Don't get any big ideas. They're not going to happen. Mm -hmm. One, is it tempers you to realize that what matters is what you're doing. And if you can be happy, if your name is never in lights, then that's the most important thing. But also yeah. it puts a saddle on your back to buck and say, 
I, oh yeah, I'm gonna make something happen. And it motivates you, that, that, that edge, that contrarian edge pushes you. And then the other quote is kind of in line with that because also looking at our, um, our, uh, the people we, we admire and our role models and the people who set a standard for what we wanna do with our craft and our art, I look at that and I say, um, it usually feels like some grand illusion. How did they get there? They must have some special sauce. They must know the right people. But honestly, everyone's just sitting down and doing the work like you are. Mm -hmm. So there's this, that, that line from The Master, which is my, my favorite film. Um, he tells uh, Freddie Quell, it's the son of, of The Master, of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, as Freddie, uh, played by Joaquin Phoenix, is saying, you should listen. You should listen to your dad. You might learn something. He's like, he's making all this up as he goes. <laughs> and I realized in working with some bigger producers, directors, and other artists and creatives on projects, working for them, working with them, they're sitting down and making things up just like, like you do. There's no, there's no magic to it. It's just hard work. And so I think both of these statements demystify the uh, celebrity of anyone who has become famous as an artist or well-known or you admire and feel like, I'll never be like that person. And it also gives you motivation to say, yeah, there's, there's, there's just a wizard behind the curtain. That's all it is. And I can do that. <laughs> and you know, the emperor's you know, new clothes. Yeah. Go ahead. Who's talking? Yeah, sorry, it's me. I just gonna, I wanted to say that just Joe's quote. It doesn't matter. Uh, interviewing a lot of artists on all levels that I do on my show, and I'm sure you do too, Bonnie, you find that they're not that different. Even the ones who are what we call celebrities and we look up to have the same issues we have now. They don't think they're at the top of their game. And so they keep, moving along too so i think it doesn't matter where you are we all have the same <coughs> issues yep. we're trying to deal with and things that we're trying to grow up with thank you bruce mm -hmm. very very interesting i have a question for the full panel um when i opened the show i mentioned some famous cartoons were any of you motivated by them do you remember them <coughs> excuse me growing up beetle bailey calvin and hobbs marmaduke blondie dick tracy betty boop the far side doonesbury peanuts let me just go around the table quickly uh bruce let's start with you did any of these motivate you did you say oh i want to do that when i grow up did you bruce yeah i have all of their books still <laughs> along with all, of <laughs> all these artists books and i have all theirs as well yeah i mean that's how i learned learned to to draw a lot of times was looking at those same cartoons and and reproducing them in my own way uh so i've i've i absolutely love those and they're, they're still a, a strong inspiration for me today thank mm -hmm. you sandra bell lundy what do you think do you remember those do you read them what do you think sandra oh absolutely i i always read the newspaper comics and uh, you know peanuts was probably my favorite as a kid but I, mm -hmm. i'll tell you that when i was trying to um get my strip syndicated uh i saw kathy geisway published with Kathy and mm -hmm. and she was a big uh, that was a big motivating it made it real to me because I thought there's hey there's a woman who's doing these comic strips I just hadn't thought about it before and then a few years later I saw Lynn Johnston was uh, for better or for worse all of a sudden and I thought there's another woman but even more than that it wasn't just another woman it was a Canadian woman and that for me as a Canadian, just made it all the more real. So, I mean, I, I'm a fan of all kinds of comics, but I was really inspired by, by seeing other female creators. Nice to know. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Inspired you in a different way than it inspired those of us who were just casual readers. Rena Piccolo, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Did you get inspired by these? Do you remember them? I do remember them. And like Sandra, I loved, I adored Peanuts. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, those characters were, to me, they, they were real people. They're drawn so simply, but they just gave off that, yeah, this is a real universe. And, of course, at such a young age, I remember thinking, or not thinking, rather, I wasn't even aware that there were people, there were cartoonists that had to create these things. There was someone on the other end, you know, drawing them and coming up with the ideas and, and you know, writing the, the word, the, the dialogue. That wasn't even a, a thing. I mean, when you're, when you're young and reading the cartoons, you don't really think in that way. I didn't even think it was a job until I was <laughs> probably like, I don't know. Uh, talk about a late bloomer. Um, I didn't know. I didn't even think. I didn't even think that it was a job or a career choice until I was much. What were we gonna say, Bruce? Sorry, I didn't know. Uh, that. I, I, yeah. So I grew up with them, and then I kind of, uh, when I was older, I got into underground comics, and and then that was a whole new ball game. But yeah, absolutely, the traditional comic strip. Big fan. Always. Thank you very much. And Joe Bloom, what do you think? How did these influence or not you? What do you think? Oh, absolutely. When I was a kid, I would read the Sunday funnies in the paper um, every week. My brothers and I would have to like fight over them. And uh, I remember all the classics. I even remember the ones like Doonesbury where I had to think a little bit more um, as a child. But then they started to influence me as an artist as well. Not just in that they were beautiful and I liked the format, but Uh, I remember two specific things. I was a big fan of Garfield when I was young. So I had a Garfield coloring book and I would color him in orange and then Odie yellow and take it to my mom so proud. And she would say, that's good. But look, if you press harder on the bottom of the shapes, it creates a shadow. And then I was learning how to draw. (laughs) I also would look at um, Calvin and Hobbes and I would wonder why do these drawings look so good? I draw, I draw with pen, it doesn't look that good. So I would have sheets of tracing paper and my mom, again, my biggest teacher would suggest, why don't you put tracing paper on top of it and draw it and you'll see what, what you find. And so I would trace it and trace it and I realized with my mechanical pencil, I had to make it wider in some areas and fill it in. Like, oh, there's, I didn't know the term at the time, but I learned about line weight with inking and with, with pens. And so they were not just like my entertainers as a child, but they were my teachers. Mm. Absolutely fascinating. I, I'm going to tell point. you what my favorite cartoon was. And I don't know, Bruce, I haven't even ever thought about this. But while you're all talking, my favorite was Brenda Starr Reporter. Uh, Brenda, mm-hmm. And it was created in 1940, way before I was born. And it was in the Chicago Tribune Syndicate, uh, set in Chicago. Brenda Starr Reporter initially was the only Chicago Tribune Syndicate strip not to appear in the Chicago Tribune newspaper. Interesting. It went from 1940 to 2011, considered a soap opera and adventure. Interesting. Interesting. But I was fascinated yeah. by Brenda Starr. Reporter, I didn't know I'd end up in media years and, and six professions later. So I just realized, and, and I think she was, oh, she was a blonde. I thought, no, she's a redhead. Oh my goodness, I, I ended up a redhead too. That There's a lot of meaning in what I just said. So let's go back. Let me put this down. Uh, thank God for Google and Wikipedia. So here we go. Let's do our predictions now. We're going to go really fast. Take about 60 seconds to just explain a little tiny bit about your predictions because I want to see if we can cover a lot. So Bruce Outridge, your first prediction. Tech, I'll do one from each around the table, then we'll go to the second, third, and maybe the fourth. Bruce says, technology will continue to revolutionize the world of art. How? Bruce? talk 
it's going to, it's going to keep going. People are going to keep uh, finding new ways to use it within their art and new art was going to be created because of it. So it's going to be really strong, but I hope it doesn't cheapen art. I hope it doesn't cheapen the end product because there's a lot of work that goes on behind that. Good point. Sandra Bell Lundy, number one prediction, e-commerce. It will continue to become an important aspect in selling comic related products. I'm thinking of books as one example. Sandra, tell me more, please. Yeah, I'm actually working on a, a, a book for through Amazon and probably a few other outlets right now. And I think it's just going to uh, expand our reach and uh, let us, you know, we won't be as limited by, um, I mean, I don't think uh, real books are going to go away. Like, I think there's still mm. a value and I think there's there's something about your favorite book you would like to have and hold in your hands. But I do think the e-commerce aspect is going to continue to increase. Thank you very much. That thing about real books, interesting. I used to, in my earlier days in, in radio, when I interviewed authors, I would always have them give me or send me the real book. And when I moved from New York to North Carolina, I realized I had thousands of books. To me, it's almost sacrilegious to destroy a book, to, to mm. throw it away. The only books I've ever thrown away were books that were so badly written that they offended me as a reader <laughs> that somebody didn't edit them, didn't do it. it, it I mean, really, I mean, never mind. But I did give books away. So I gave them to friends and a friend of mine <clears throat> filled his trunk with books that I didn't want. I always said to people, if you don't want it, give it to somebody else, pass it along. Filled his trunk with books before I moved and he's a tennis player in the Queens public courts, Joe, and, and uh, whoever is else is from the arena. And he, he went to the courts in Queens and he opened up the trunk and he said to everybody in the tennis court, I've got a trunk load of free books, take what you want. And people went in droves and in 10 minutes, cookbooks and storybooks and novels, <laughs> everything was gone. And I thanked him because it was a lovely thing to do. And share. So I, I feel very strongly about books. Thank you. Rena, you're up. Prediction yes. number one, yes. virtual oh. reality entertainment will become more marketable and more accessible than it is right now. Rena, go ahead. Uh, a quick Google search that I did this morning totally trashed my prediction. So my... <laughs> My uh, my 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 crystal ball is a little foggy today. Could I change that to not virtual reality? Although you know some technologies do need years and decades to really become like a household thing. Um, you know, if you look at the history of the TV set, it's I mean the TV was invented long and long before the fifties and sixties, and when people actually had them in their homes. Yep. But um, my prediction is more to do with 3D environments. I see entertainment and of course, cartoons and comics as entertainment. It all ties into the same kinds of art forms. Um, we're gonna see more 3D environments, I think, for storytelling in general. Is that, is it, should I go on or are you? Are yeah, we go on a little bit. That's actually, your, that's actually your prediction number four. Comic art and 3D environments will need It ties a in. Bit. Yeah, so talk yeah. for about another minute and then we're gonna move on. Go ahead, you're good. Okay, Rena. well, right now I'm, I'm, I'm working with a software called Mental Canvas and it allows you to draw spatially, which mm -hmm. you're drawing in two dimensions, just like a flat drawing, but you're able to move the drawings so that they're in three dimensions, uh, which gives the viewer um, the ability to literally walk through a cartoon on their screen using either touchscreen controls or desktop controls. 
And uh, the first one I did came out about a couple of weeks ago, or actually was more like a month ago. Um, and it got a huge response, just an amazing response from readers. People are asking for more. So I'm thinking, and the people that I'm working with are thinking that this may be, you know, the comic strip of the future, one in which you could actually navigate and control yourself. Thank you very much. Yeah. Very interesting. Glad, glad to have that technology introduced. Thank you, Rena. And Joe, You're let's welcome. go to your prediction number one. This is interesting. Joe says, art will become more democratic through evolved digital tools. And then he says, this is good and bad. I'm going to let you finish that sentence. Go ahead, <laughs> Joe. Yeah, well, um, you know, because, because there are so many digital tools and so many bits of technology that we can utilize now, it's being stacked, much like algorithmic. People are learning and they're creating tools within tools. I know that I get ads all the time online for, hey, here's a paintbrush set for Photoshop where you can add stars, you can add clouds, you can add mountains to your image. So if I'm doing an, an advertisement and I need a background that looks realistic, I don't need to do so much photo manipulation and painting. I can just buy that set and go click. And now I have a beautiful night sky and just manipulate the colors. This is being seen in a lot of different areas. Mm -hmm. um, there's even uh, AI that can take a, a photo and make a caricature of it, albeit not so good. Um, there's so many different things like that where people who are learning art now are standing on the shoulders of tools and people who made those tools. And so I see, I, I started seeing character design about 10 years ago where I would see people do their version of character design, but I could tell that they use like a color burn or a, mm -hmm. a, some kind of layer in Photoshop that did a gradient of color. And that substitutes their color theory for a quick fix that they learned in Photoshop. So this is really good because the tools will create a lower barrier of entry for ideas. I think it's great, like to be a storyboard artist, it always seems to be the barrier of entry is your drawing ability. But that doesn't mean you always have the best shots in your head. So there's a lot of ways that people who have the talent to be able to do this but don't have a certain craft can be part of, of a system, part of entertainment, part of mm -hmm. telling a story. But the bad thing is on an artistic level for someone who wants to learn to draw and paint, I feel like there's not as much pressure to be able to learn fundamentals when so many things are handled for you. So I think that these, there's going to be a rift of lots, of lots of talented people jumping into a medium and then there's going to be the negative of bad versions of art and people who don't know fundamentals and they're shortcutting themselves. Mm -hmm. Joe, very, very point, very well taken. I think that uh, publishing has done the same thing to writing. Yes. Oh. I, I think that the democratization of anybody can write a story and sell a novel uh, has led to unedited, unreviewed. Uh, I know reviews are always an opinion and it's all subjective, but, but bad writing is bad writing. And, and it, I have a problem with that. Anyway, let's not go on that tangent. Bruce, prediction number two. This is interesting. The future will take us into the past. Now, now, now. So we can meet and paint with our past heroes. Oh, Bruce, I like this. Talk to me. Yeah. Well, uh, you've already probably seen it. Uh, they did the hologram with Prince. They've done, I've seen this done with a number of different people on the news. One of my favorite artists from the past is Norman Rockwell. Could you imagine the excitement if I can have a hologram of Norman Rockwell and we're painting the same, drawing the same scene or painting the same scene with your favorite artists? And I think we're going to see that. I know uh, Rena was just talking about uh, virtual reality. I've done that where you actually can draw in virtual reality and you're drawing like if you're drawing on a blackboard with somewhere that's going to be a great teaching tool in the future and i think this is going to be a way of us connecting with the past i know uh 
you know, to, to do that is not mainstream right now, but in the future, I see that being created. So now when you go to an art class and it's, oh, we're talking about Norman Rockwell. And by the way, here he is drawing in a studio and life size and you see exactly, and you can replicate That's going to be amazing for those of us that have uh, a past that we enjoy. Thank you very much. Let's go to our next prediction, Sandra Bell Lundy, number two. Um, you know what? I'm going to go to number four. I like that one, Sandra. Print versus online. Uh, you say newspaper comics are in obvious transition period as print newspapers increase their online presence. And what do you think the comics will evolve? How do you think, Sandra? Yeah. Well, obviously, newspaper comics, um, newspapers are in a huge transition period. And I don't think any of us really know. Um, I don't think, honestly, I don't think newspapers are going to disappear completely. But I could be wrong, or maybe that's hopeful thinking. But I just, I think that um, with the newspaper comics, uh, with, you know, we, we're online and we're in print. And some of my income comes from print, but I'm also making online. And then, um, you know what, this prediction is almost a big question mark in my mind. <laughs> mm -hmm. But there's, mm -hmm. um, there's different outlets for newspaper comics, I think, than um, they used to be. And, and, and they're, like I mentioned earlier, the uh, e-books. Or I've been asked to do presentations through, through Zoom. And uh, rather than being asked to go to a physical place and give a talk. And they're, you know, related to my comic strips. So that's a little bit of a convoluted answer because I, the prediction is uh, it's fuzzy in my mind and I think in everybody's mind. But at, we're definitely in a period of transition and not, and not so much the comic strip itself, um, but where it's going to be, where it's going to land. Thank you. And you know what, Sandra? Fuzzy predictions are some of the best predictions because hmm. in essence, all predictions are fuzzy because we don't know. <laughs> We do not know what the what the outcome will be. We do not where know where it will go. So I appreciate your insights. That's all I was looking for, and that was perfect. No, no apologies. <laughs> who knows? People who know too much about the future scare us. So <laughs> we don't want to go there. Okay, Arena. Uh, I'm looking at your prediction number three. While print and digital continue to coexist. Publishing in the niche category of syndicated daily comic strips, I believe big changes may be coming. I like that, may be oh, coming. Rena, talk kinda, to you for about a minute. Go ahead. Uh, it it kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier about, you know, different ways to read a comic strip. And uh, I, it really is the, the, the same prediction in, in a way. Um, I think print and digital will continue to coexist because they, they, they have different roles, I think, to people who use them. But for comic strips, like Sandra, I don't think newspapers will disappear. Mm -hmm. But I think newspapers need a digital outlet that's different and that readers will gravitate to. Mm -hmm. And I really think that um, a comic strip that the reader could be engaged, you know, you usually read a comic strip in like, what, 30 seconds, 40 mm -hmm. seconds, maybe a minute, uh, no longer than that. Well, you could create a comic strip where the reader is engaged for 15 minutes, because they're literally inside it exploring. And I find that like, just 
it, it's it's just something that not to not to say I'm not going to say big things like save the newspapers, but for online newspapers, it could definitely usher in an entire new era of cartooning and comic art. Thank you, Rena. Very interesting. And Joe, let's get your prediction number two in here. This is fascinating. They're all fascinating. I treat all predictions with the same level of fascination. Mm-hmm. Joe says animated films will be made by 25 to 50 people at home. Joe, as I say on some of my shows, please unpack that for me. It's very, sure. very tight. Who are these 25 <laughs> to 50 people? Can I be one of them? Go ahead. Well, I only started an animation about, um, uh, I would say, 15 years ago or so. And I've always been a fan, but it started like, you know, getting into the trenches of it and learning all the tools, the tools tools evolve so much. And we're looking at from, for the last 15 to 10 years, places like Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, Blue Sky, having 2000 to 5,000 employees and having 500 to 800 people working on a movie that costs a hundred million dollars. Now I work a lot in my animation doing short films and, and sometimes in feature, but in advertising as well. And we're, we're doing one-minute commercials with teams of eight people in two months. And then you can see when the, you have, especially in the time when we all, like during the coronavirus, we have to be home. A lot of people have adapted to that. So you're seeing people like Chris Melodondri found Illumination, which decided to contract out small studios all over the world and small teams. They went from making productions with 250 artists to making them with 100 artists. And then now we're looking at, I can see when one person has a very high level of craft and skill set, they can do three people's jobs in half the time. So if you find the right team, I think what we're seeing now is an evolution that people are always afraid to make that next leap, just like they were afraid to trust Chris Melodondri for Illumination. Uh, Now I think they're afraid to take that next leap, whereas you can say, I want to really find those savvy 25 people and make this CG feature film at home because the tools are so simple. This person knows three roles. This person's motivated. Let's go. I think that's the next thing I want to try to do. And I think a lot of people are finding that very hard to understand, but I guarantee you in the next, I'd say 10 years, that's going to be a reality. Very, very interesting. Um, I'll tell you quickly about a project of a gentleman who's been on my some of my radio shows in the past. His name is Gregor Collins. And he looked at his phone one day and said, who are the people in my phone address book? And he contacted them and said, would you like to tell me in 90 seconds about your life and what you're doing right now? Who are you? And he created a project called The People in My Phone, all done on mm-hmm. iPhone, filmed, edited, produced the whole works. And he has a website with the, the vignettes of all of these people. It's an absolutely fascinating project. It's not a full movie, but he met them in a place that mattered to them physically. He lives part-time San Francisco, part-time in New York, in parks, in museums, on, on streets. And he asked them to talk about themselves and he reduced whatever they did to 90 seconds and published that in people in my phone. And I think you'll, I think you'll all get a kick out of that. So go find them. The people in my phone, it's Gregor Collins. And I think you'll, you'll all like that. Quick question for all of you. I need a one word answer from each of you because we're, well, no, I can have a one sentence answer. Don't put too many commas and semicolons in the sentence. So Bruce, let's start with you. Is your goal with your caricatures to make people laugh, make people cry or make people think or a combination thereof? Quick answer, Bruce, and I'll go around the table. What do you think? Mine is certainly to make people laugh. That's why I do. I love events. Just want them to laugh. 
caricatures. Okay, so laughter, wonderful medicine. Let's go to Sandra. Sandra, in your work, what is your goal? Is it mixed? Do you want them to laugh, cry, think, yell, scream, uh, think some more? Uh, or do you want them to say just, wow, she's a great, great uh, artist. What, what's your goal? <laughs> well, of course, I want them to think I'm a greater. No, my my, <laughs> my purpose in uh, doing my comic strip is is totally self-expression. I'm when I'm doing my comic strip, I'm doing what I want to say and what I'm thinking. Thank you. Hmm. Rena, Rena, you're That's next. Great answer. Rena, go ahead. That, I want <laughs> can I choose two words? Scream laugh. Oh, okay. I want them oh. to scream laugh. Scream laugh. I like that very much. <laughs> Some of us have been known to scream with laughter. So there there you go and scream <laughs> with horror too. And Joe Bloom, what's your goal with what you do? Uh, with the books and animation, I'm mostly focusing on sharing stories that I think have a universal truth of love, compassion, connecting, and understanding. Thank hmm. you very much. Thank you to, oh, love, compassion. Wow. Wow. You, you nailed that one, kid. What a great round table. I can't thank all of you enough. I, I know some of you have never done this before or only once with Bruce. So thank you for trusting to come on Technology Revolution with me. I've only met Bruce and thank you for, for uh, sharing the hour with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you to our engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Keller at Voice America World Talk Radio, the business channel. And everybody give a round of applause to Bruce Outridge for putting this together. Bruce. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Bonnie. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Bonnie. Again, for other panels. Thank you. I had a wonderful time. So I'm just going to say to our audience, we're almost out of time. Thank you for tuning in to Technology Revolution, the future of everybody say with me now, 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 there we go. And remember, the future of now didn't happen yet. If anybody says to you, the future is already here, they're wrong. That was yesterday's future. Let's all go out and make today's future the best one ever. Nice. We've got a lot of work to do. All of you keep people smiling and laughing and screaming and yelling and saying what a great artist and keep doing what you do. I appreciate all of you. Everybody wave. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh